you are not getting educated about the housing market, you're doing yourself and the public a disservice. Whether you're a mortgage broker, you're in title insurance, you're in the financial world, or obviously a real estate agent, people need to know what's actually happening in the market. This is Knowledge Brokers Podcast, and I'm here with my good friend, Byron Lazine. Byron, another positive week here of news from the housing market. A lot of good stuff, whether it's GDP, purchase applications. We got some inventory challenges that are out there right now. Where do you want to get started, man? What are you saying? Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to get into the GDP, but I'd like to start with inventory. If there's a if there's a red flag mm-hmm. in housing right now to me, it was what Logan reported earlier in the week. Logan Motoshami, shout out to him on Housing Wire, uh, where he reported that housing inventory falls under one million again. Uh, and listen. Sales are are down significantly from what we saw the last few years, but at, at an inventory level of one million, what's what's really concerning to me is that these big numbers are great, right? Okay, dropped to nine hundred seventy thousand units for a population as Logan writes of three hundred thirty million. That's just not enough housing. We need to be closer to you know one point four, one point five, one point six, somewhere in that range units available for this to become like a little bit of a healthier market mm-hmm. for affordability, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to become more obvious for more home shoppers. What, what is alarming to me is that when you dig into localized communities of these 970,000 units that are spread across the country, how many of them would you actually consider affordable? How many of them would you actually, you know, consider meet, meeting the buy box of the majority of the buyers. We know millennial buyers are the biggest, you know, home shopper out there right now, biggest demographic home shopper. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them need a starter home. A lot of them need, need a near median priced home. When you go local and you start looking at it in any community, it's like, wow, there's a lot of crap inventory out there because yep. the prices are high. Let me go offload this. And then there's a lot of stuff that is for the luxury. There's only so many luxury home buyers. So only so many people that need a second, third, fourth home right now. And a lot of those, you know, homeowners are actually cutting the third, fourth, second home off of their asset list. They're getting rid of them. Okay. So that to me is the most alarming, you know, statistic of the week. A lot of good news. We'll get into some of the good news and what that'll mean for the spring market. But out of the 970,000 units, how many of it is good inventory? Well, that, that's a really great point. And according to NAR research, in December, only 31% of the sales were from first-time home buyers. Those are the folks getting shut out of the market right now because they're you know, historically, and you know, BAM did a great article about this uh, in the fourth quarter, that you want to see that first-time home buyer number in the low 40% range. So 31% is a dramatic decrease. And if you look at some of the other data that's out there about millennials, a lot of them are just saying, hey, we're, we're going to wait or we're going to have to adjust our search. But seeing 31% of all those transactions are that's what the first time buyers are living in. Those are the folks that need homes and didn't buy homes in the first place. The inventory challenge is real. And you've got to be careful how you articulate that as a professional in any facet of real estate. Again, mortgage, title, insurance, financial side, accounting, all these folks, they, they, they give advice in this. And there are homes that are selling. Um, we did see in January, the numbers kind of danced around the first couple of weeks where we saw a decline in the second week of January and then a jump up in, in or uh, excuse me, a jump up in inventory the second week of January and then a decline in the third week of January. 
my optimistic side is that some of these folks are waiting to get their homes on the market in the spring. And I'm very hopeful that's going to happen. I can tell you from a lead indicator standpoint, I look at what our team is doing because that's like the, there's listings that are getting signed that people don't know about. The public's not aware of. They don't have this data. We've taken more listings this month than we took any month in the second half of 2022. So that's encouraging. That, that, that's a good sign. Now, I don't know if that's our team or that's everybody across the board. I think that's where the, it gets dicey because we can't chart that data. It's not public information. <clears throat> if that holds up, and Byron, I'd love to hear what, what you're seeing with, with the one team, that could be a good sign here. That could be a sign of optimism because we know that most realtors tell people to wait until the spring or wait until after the Super Bowl for some unknown reason that they just made up in 1972 because they thought it was a good idea. And the, the reality is, if you're a seller, Seeing this low inventory, that spells opportunity to me. That spells, hey, I could actually get a maybe a 2021 offer where contingencies are waived, multiple offers going above the asking price, which we talked about last week, and we've seen a lot of. So my, my hopeful side is this is a good sign of things to come. I just don't know if that's what's going to be happening because it's such a small sample size. Yeah, if you're hopeful and you're actually watching the pod, not listening, to watching it, meaning on YouTube, hit the thumbs up. If you're not as hopeful, if you think this number, this inventory number is hiding, uh, you know, the fact that we don't have a lot of good inventory, like me, let me know in the comments how, how you feel. What I will say, here's a good, here's a good number to track. The 880,000 uh, units that were on the market last year at this time, now we're almost 100,000 more mm -hmm. units, 970. If we just look at this time last year compared to right now, that should be an indicator that this this spring of 23 is going to have more inventory overall throughout the spring than we had last year where we saw things really get out of control before the interest rates went up in terms of mm -hmm. multiple offers so yeah to your point you know you're signing uh you know in Phil in the Philadelphia region with your team more listing contracts than you've signed same thing with, with what I'm seeing talking to you know a whole bunch of other team leaders and brokers that we talk to throughout the week, they're seeing the same thing. So the thought is, yeah, okay, this spring, we should start to collect more inventory. My concern is like, what is going out there? Mm -hmm. You know, is it, you know, is it eight, $900,000 homes or is it the three fifties and the four fifties, you know, and the four hundreds that people really need? The majority of what we've been signing is that medium price point. I mean, it's, it's either that first-time buyer or, or trade-up. It's when you get to that premium price point, Byron, and, and you said it, there's only so many buyers for that. I mean, you get above a million dollars here in our market. That makes up 3 to 4% of the market. So those listings don't help a lot of people. It's the three-bedroom townhome. It's the four-bedroom single-family home. That's where people are getting squeezed right now. And a lot of these millennials, they're, they're jumping past that first time buyer product, they're going right to the move up because they didn't buy anything and they've been waiting and waiting and waiting. So it's the next 60, 90 days are going to be very telling from an inventory standpoint. And where we both operate in the Northeast, the weather's been pretty cooperative this year. That's definitely a factor. So we could see a pop a little sooner than we normally do. I'm hoping that we're going to see this, this trajectory continue here where we're, we, and, and again, this is a little bit of lag data. So my hope is, you know, once we get January, we see that number come back up a, a, over a million pretty quickly and hopefully like one, one, that would be a great number. I'd be really optimistic about that. And to your point, we got to get back to these 2019 levels. That's going to really balance things. It's not going to be a balanced market 
it's going to be a market that's easier for buyers and sellers to navigate where you have time to make decisions and it's not this frenzied here's the new home i need to clear my schedule and go look at it in 10 minutes and try to get my offer accepted before five o'clock today the median price point in across the u.s sits at about three hundred seventy thousand dollars. there's a chart we can put up from mm -hmm. nar uh shows it at three hundred sixty six thousand nine hundred dollars uh so you know basically three hundred seventy thousand is the median price of existing home sales right now so down from you know, even, uh, you know, early 2022, where it was 413, you know, down quite a bit, actually, from early 2022. But that's a number that the US median home price that you need to know, right? If, you, if you're, if you're advising, whether you're the attorney or the lender or the agent, or, you know, if you're advising anybody in housing, you got to know that number. I was talking to uh, some agents not too long ago. And I said, you know, what's the median price in the market? And there was like 20 agents, one agent, like finally like mustered it up and spit it out, had the right, right number, but it's like, Hey, that should be automatic. You know, your local number, mm -hmm. uh, versus the U S number. You got to know that number. It's it, you, it's, and you gotta be tracking that number. Uh, and that's where you should really be. If you're going out as a listing agent, I I'd want to be collecting listings right now mm -hmm. in this environment in the median price point of my community. You know, it's really nice to grab some of those higher luxury, you know, house home sales, because that's how you actually, you know, can raise your income, but you can also raise your income by like doing units, right. And going out and grabbing the median price point because it's going to sell a whole heck of a lot faster in 2023. It's where the majority of the buyers are shopping. Affordability is a big issue. So get to that median price point or just under, and you're gonna have a really successful business in 2023. I am Mr. Volume. I mean, we are in a volume market here, much like where you are, uh, Byron, with with the one team. And I, you know, these people that say I want to focus on luxury, I look at total addressable market from a business planning standpoint. You're already shutting out. If you want to sell, be a million dollar listing agent, right? You know, million dollar listing Philadelphia. Good luck with that. It would. You're targeting four percent of the market. Tom, I, I'd like to see you on Selling Sunset yeah. on Netflix. Yeah. Ben Balak may have us on. We could probably make that happen. I mean, we know we we know Ben. We know the people there. I think that could that that, that could be something that could work. Um, you think Ben's too fancy for us now? If I see him in Vegas next week at the Tom Ferry Elite, you think he's going to be too fancy for me? I know he will not because he came on the number one real estate radio show in Philadelphia, Tool Time Radio, on WWDB <laughs> eight sixty AM for a whole segment. He's from here, believe it or not. So. Uh, ben is, oh, is he? Yeah, he he's he's the real deal. I mean, he, he keeps it. Yeah. And, and the, the stuff that he says is a lot of what we're talking about, which is, hey, I need to like for him, volume might be like a two million dollar listing because he's out in L.A. or whatever else. But he, he's looking at how do I scale my business, not how do I become this person that's going to be listing the, the 50 or 70 million dollar properties because well, they're doing I think their show is actually selling Beverly Hills on Netflix, the agency. And I love all those guys. Oh, you're driving. right. My, oh. That's my bad. I don't even watch yeah, it. No, no, that was my bad. I said selling. But, um, you know, the, the problem with that is that people start to think that these price points are normal. And we just said it, the median price point is 370,000 in America. That is where we need more inventory. That's where we need more attention from, you know, an agent standpoint, an advisor standpoint, it's in the median price points where more where the most people are looking for homes and can afford homes. Could, could not agree more. And that that's really where, where the pain points are. I mean, you think about these folks that said, I'm not going to buy, 
I'm going to rent longer. It's the millennials that are out there. And, and you guys did a great piece on, on BAM about what's happening with those folks and, and, and some of the, the, the challenges that well, they're seeing. And that, that's the buyer right now. Nine out of 10 of the millennial home buyers say that inflation is impacting their decision. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you don't think the millennial home buyer right now is paying attention, you're wrong. The question is, are they paying attention to you? Are they paying attention to the knowledge broker? Or are they paying attention to CNN and Fox News? You know, what is, they're probably not, but even worse than that, they're probably paying attention to TikTok and some, somebody on there who knows who saying, oh, housing's gonna crash 20, 30%. That's not gonna be right. Patrick Bet David will not be right on his 20 to 30% crash. Despite Goldman Sachs just came out and they picked those four cities. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that this I did week, see Tom. that. The four cities being Austin and uh, I think San Diego, San Diego was one was of them. On I there. can pull it up. I, San Diego was on there. there was, I'm not buying San Diego. I just, I don't, that, how's that market going to, I mean, it's, it's one of the most desirable cities in the country. And yeah, I mean, is it going to be a little slower, maybe but, a little flatter, but it, these markets aren't going to crash. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I could see Austin crashing like at a 10, 15% and then bouncing right back because there's, there was so much building mm -hmm. going on in, in Austin to keep up with demand. So that's one place where housing starts got a little bit ahead, right? Where most of America housing starts have not gotten ahead. You just saw that in the Northeast, they're up 135% because the North there's, you know, it's densely populated. There's nowhere to build. They're so far behind uh, demand. So it's very misleading. If you see Patrick Bet David say, oh, home prices are going to drop 20, 30%. And then you got that millennial buyer saying, well, I'm going to wait because you know, Realtor.com this week just reported that rents are now $800 uh, cheaper, less per month than buying. Okay, so they see, well, it's cheap. And they know they're going in their community, in their city, wherever they live. And they're like, oh, it's much cheaper for me uh, to rent right now because there's a glut of supply coming out mm -hmm. onto the rental market for multifamily. And I'm just going to go rent a house and, and start saving and wait for this 20, 30% drop. But what people aren't telling everyone on TikTok and on Instagram reels is that the 20 to 30% drop isn't happening. If you're buying a starter home at as NAR reports, $370,000 in this country, that $370,000 home is not going to be $300,000 tomorrow. It's not happening. The first of all, the owner has so much equity in that house and they're likely at a two, if they're, you know, in that price range, they're likely at a two and a half to three and a half percent interest rate on that house. They're going to give it away to you for $300,000. The 20 to 30% drop for millennials is not happening. So, you know, the 59% in the now BAM article, uh, which we'll, we link all the articles down below if you want to get access to them, that says, you know, they're saving more money for a home. Okay, you're going to save more money, but don't anticipate a 20 to 30% drop at the end of it. How much are you going to save? I mean, what what is your rate of savings? Because then that's what concerns me a little bit about what 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 millennials are hearing. We've got 28% here. They just postpone home shopping altogether. And if there's a condition behind that, sure. You always got to do what's best for you and your family and your household. I, I've never debated that once in my career. If it's because you're worried about numbers, then you don't have the right information. One of the things we've utilized internally here, because we hear this all the time, we're going to wait for the market to crash. We're going to wait for interest rates to come down. They're not coming down. I mean, three is gone. It's not happening for, for a very long time. Is actually breaking down. Here's what the payment's going to be now, because everyone buys with a payment. They're not writing a check and, and stroking a check for 
the, the, the purchase of a $370,000 property. Here's the payment now. Here's predicted appreciation over the next 12 months. So if you wait a year, here's what it's going to look like. And here's yeah. your cash to close. I mean, the, the two numbers everyone needs when they're buying a home are how much cash out of pocket and what's the payment. And if you can't break that down succinctly for your clients, that's where you need to get back in the in the lab, get back in the office, sharpen the pencil, and understand how to give them real life numbers that are going to impact their decision. Should should real estate agents be able to do that, or sh or should Everybody. they just say, "Oh, go talk to the lender"? No, I mean, you, look, the MLS can do it for you. Okay, like, <laughs> I was just gonna like the, we we're part of Great MLS. You can plug the numbers in and have it ready to go. And at a six percent rate, I've got some amazing math here. This this might blow people's mind. Every hundred thousand you finance is about six hundred dollars a month at a six percent rate. This is not hard to do. One of the first things I learned, thanks to my mentor, John Collins, I don't know if he watches, but this was great advice. You better be able to tell them an, a ballpark of the payment on the spot when they're looking at a home, if you don't have it calculated. That was one of the best things that stuck with me. So we trained our people, hey, just bring the closing cost estimate with you. This isn't a test when you're on these appointments. It's about information and having the knowledge so people can make decisions. You're telling me most consumers are going to be able to do the 30-year amortization calculation in their head. They probably don't even know what amortization means half the time. You've got to talk in language that people understand. Here's your payment. Here's how much cash to close. How do you feel about that? That simple. Yeah, if you don't think quickly on your feet, then just use the mortgage calculators. They're everywhere. You could Google right? it and it would come up on your phone. The mortgage calculator come up on Google. I love the the Dave Ramsey one I, I kind of use. You know, Dave Ramsey, though, they automatically plug in like 25% uh, down or something, you know, he, he's like, you should, and then he automatically, his mortgage calculator also automatically fields the 15 year mortgage as opposed to the 30 year. Yeah. Cause you know, he wants you to buy on a 15 year mortgage only, but I switch, you can switch it over. Uh, anyways, there's a million mortgage calculators out there. The, the point is though, that's what we talk about being the knowledge broker, a mortgage company, a mortgage rep should be able to do this. You know, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I think mortgage, Mortgage folks usually, you know, third. I don't know. I mean, I've dealt with some, Byron. I mean, it, the ro rocket mortgage, I don't think they even teach you how to pick up the phone and answer it properly, let alone calculate a mortgage payment. So let's, I mean, <laughs> the point is, though, this is stuff you need to know, right? And those two numbers, that's what consumers want. Cash yes. to close monthly payment. And that would help a lot of these millennials that are saying, well, over a, a one quarter of them are, I'm not going to buy, I'm waiting. They don't know what the numbers look like. They watched a TikTok video or they heard, I don't even know this, who this guy is you're talking about that said 20 to 30% decline because it's, it's, a bunch oh, you don't of, know who Patrick Bet David is. I, I mean, if he's telling people that I'm glad I don't know who he is. Listen, he's somebody who just sold, uh, what, what's his insurance company? Drop it in the comments. If you know, I'm, I'm going to draw a blank here on the I'm name. I'm going to Google his. him here. I, I mean, this is where I need some knowledge. He just dropped it. He just sold an insurance company for like over a quarter of a billion dollars. Like big Patrick Bet David, PBD. He does, he does the PHP PBD agency. Podcast. Got it. Okay. Yeah, P PHP agency. You know, one of these whole life ones that mm -hmm. Tom would that have been a you know for, if you're in real estate right now and you're like looking at these whole life guys that just recruit thousands of people throughout the country, what a business model that is, huh? It's it's actually the sounds like EXP. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the, it's the greatest downline uh, thing going. There, it's these companies are huge that these guys built. But anyways, P, I, I like Patrick, but David a lot. One of the most savvy, you know, business entrepreneur content guys out there. Just some great interviews across the board, different personalities and all of that. But yeah, he's like passionate about this 
20 to 30 percent drop in home prices so you know he keeps telling people tom I, i'd like your take on this he says hey if you're buying a house right now and he just use a ballpark number if the asking price is one million dollars you should offer seven hundred thousand dollars today because the end of next year it's going to be a 30 percent drop is that good advice for home shoppers not if you want to get the house I mean, it's, it, you know, I mean, uh, our friend Jeff Thibodeau just did a, I, I saw him post about this. He's working with uh, a team up in Ontario and he said, low ball offers usually have the exact opposite effect that you want on a seller because it pisses everybody off. And I'm not saying don't offer fair market value, 30%. I mean, you look at the average list to sales price ratio across the country. It's anywhere, you know, the fourth quarter, it was like 96 to 97% in most markets. Now it's some places back over a hundred. I mean, I, you know, sure. I mean, well, I'd probably buy it for a 30% discount site on scene and just make it an investment property. I mean, it's just, it, Go- it's, it's insane. Goldman Sachs at the start of the year had an outlook for home prices of going, of declining negative 6.1%. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they, they had us home prices going down just over 6%. They said we lost 4% at the end of the year. And they, they were talking about, you know, a 10% decline in us home prices. So well off from the 20 or 30 that that Patrick Bet David is talking about. Goldman Sachs just this week revised that outlook. Goldman Sachs came out and said, no, it's actually going to be negative 2.6% for U.S. home prices in 2023. And oh, by the way, that decline we had in 2024, we're revising that. And we think we're going to be up a percent by the end of 2024. So if you just look at the next 24 months, Goldman Sachs is saying, we're only going to go down maybe a percent and a half over the next 24 months on U.S. home prices. Nowhere in there is there's a 20 to 30 percent drop outside of maybe a local market or two. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about those four uh, that they're saying is going to drop the over 20 percent. That remains to be seen. But outside of a local market dynamic overall, especially as it relates to those median price points, there is no chance of a 20 to 30 percent drop happening anytime soon. This is our first right prediction on the Knowledge Brokers podcast because we came out and said, these things are going to change and people are going to adjust these estimates as we go. And this happened last year. Zillow predicted 17% appreciation in 2022. And then like every month it started coming down. I would imagine you're going to see the same thing with Goldman Sachs where we're going to get to maybe a positive number here in the month of February or March because with inventory where it is, I'm going back to Econ 101 at Syracuse University. You got supply and you got demand and the demand is pushing the supply down. So, and to your point, it's the median price points that people are going to see the most appreciation. That's where always the market moves the fastest. And if you're a real estate agent, you, you want to think about what are you trying to target? The the 4% at the top of the market or the 95% where everyone transacts? And I mean, I know what I did. I know what you do. And it worked out pretty well, well for both of us. I was always taught from day one, in real estate that you've got to you got to break these price ranges up in your local market when you're when you're looking at inventory and obviously to your point syracuse i know what else were you doing in syracuse syracuse can you share i was a finance and accounting major uh watched uh, <laughs> basketball uh i mean it was, it was cold af up there i, I mean there wasn't a you know, it was a a, a four-year but, vacation from the real world because to, i could have knocked on there supply and done this the, to you know your esteemed learnings at Syracuse of supply and demand, yeah, uh, which I think I learned about on the internet. Maybe 
the well, just ask Josh Altman. Know, I mean, he's another real estate Syracuse alum. So I mean, he was that's right. So he we, was a kicker, wasn't he? He, he was the kicker. Yes. And I, I, I yeah. don't know if I don't know what he got out of. I think he was a speech comm major, actually. So we didn't even major in business. Uh, helped him on his TV show. There you go. Uh, the, the, the price ranges are going to all fluctuate in, in each individual market. OK, so from 100 to 200, from 200 to 300. Maybe maybe you got a really big market. You're going to break it down by 50,000 markers. But that's where you want to dig deep on, okay, how much inventory is there in this particular segment of the market? How's that going to impact prices, low inventory? To your point, the prices are going to hold if there's really no inventory. And if you're up over a million in a market where only, you know, Connecticut Shoreline, for example, all those little waterfront towns that are on Long Island facing, you know, some of them facing out to the Hamptons and, you know, facing the shore of Long Island. A lot of those towns have some some nice luxury properties. You drive by mm-hmm. the waterfront, and you're like, "Wow, these are beautiful homes." Well, guess what? Most of those towns have twenty thousand year round residents, and most of those towns sell about ten to fifteen million plus homes a year. So, guess what? Inventory from a million up on those shoreline Connecticut homes. I'm not talking about Fairfield County. I'm talking about everything east of Fairfield County is going to be extremely high where within the same town, 300 to $400,000 inventory is going to be tight. Mm-hmm. Days on market are going to be low and prices are going to hold all year long mm-hmm. because there's just not a lot of inventory and there's not a lot of building going on. Well, and what, what well, you also, depending on where you work and obviously Connecticut's a bit smaller, but we, we cover a large area here. It, it like the number where the market softens will vary from like town to town, school district to school district, where literally you cross this road, 400,000 all of a sudden is a really soft price point versus this side of the the, the, the district or whatever. And like 500,000 is where the market kind of kind of peels off. So if you're not looking at these local trends, not only from a pricing standpoint, but also from the local amenities, whether it's school districts or maybe there's a taxing issue in some of these places where they have that earned income tax, depending on where you live, that's a factor too. And this is the stuff you need to know to help people navigate these things. Like if someone you're, if, you're breaking down their payment and their cash to close, but then they got a 1% earned income tax for living in that particular municipality. Well, that's more cash to close. Right. And, and, and folks, people just don't explain this stuff. And it's important to know because if you don't, you're costing people money. If you're in Arizona or Florida, you're going to be really in a, in an HOA landscape, right? Like, what you, do you know about the HOA? Can can you see into the future? Mm-hmm. Are these is this a newer HOA? You know, is there a history here of overspending? Uh, how does it compare to the surrounding communities? All these are considerations. Tom, how, how much time per day should a real estate advisor, a broker, an agent uh, be looking at this information? Like, you know, obviously, if you're in a sales position. You're going to be out there selling, but how much time should you be absorbing content in your local market and the overall trends? Like how much time a day is it? Is it, is it per day you should be sharpening your, your tools? So I, I'm going to give you two answers here um, on a daily basis. I mean, I'm reading what's going on and I do it online because that's digestible. I know the sources and it's not going to be some the housing markets crashing nonsense that we've heard a lot of. I mean, that that's something I do in the morning. I like to see what's coming out. You know, I, I, so, I mean, I'm spending 15, 20 minutes a day just kind of digesting that. Um, additionally, this is the gap for a lot of agents. You're talking about that really local stuff like HOAs or cost to close on a property. 
I've heard this many times, proper preparation prevents poor performance. You should be prepping for every appointment like this. What's included in the HOA? Does it have insurance? Is there a doorman? Does this municipality have an earned income tax? What are the sales that are going on locally here? Because if you're not prepped for these questions, you've mentioned thinking on your feet earlier. You know what interest is highest? When you're at the house and the people are excited and they're having that emotional reaction. And if you see the home's priced high, it's not priced high, whatever it is, you've got to have tangible facts. And I said this before, it is not a test. Write down notes, have the information available. No one's going to yeah. judge you for writing it down. Because What they're going to judge you for is saying, I don't know, I'm going to get back to you. And that's when interest can wane or worse. And a lot of agents do this. They give them some nonsense answer and they're shooting from the hip trying to close a sale instead of shooting to educate. And that is the game right now in 2023. We're not in that fast paced, fast and furious market that we saw second half of 2021 and part of 2022. So it's, I would argue you need to prep 10 to 15 minutes for every appointment at a minimum, a listing appointment, probably a half hour until you get your, your knowledge down where it's really flowing and knowing what's going on on a macro level, that's gotta be a daily thing. You know, for example, I mean, when rates came down the first time, and this was back, uh, I want to say it was back in, in uh, towards the end of the year, you know, we had a we had a role play call at our team, scratch the agenda. We put out a video to our entire database that rates had come down. We gave everyone the information to share it. We showed them the breakdown in payments, and we blasted all of our clients, especially the ones that were like, oh, the rates are too high, I don't want to move. Like They needed to know, and it was a Friday. That's a very valuable time for a rate drop because the rates aren't moving Saturday and Sunday. And what happens on Saturdays and Sundays, Byron? People go out and look at homes. You get an executed agreement, you can lock in a rate. So this is the stuff that we armed our people with. And it helped a lot of folks that felt like they got priced out of the market a bit. So you've got to be doing this on a daily basis because people are making yeah. their biggest financial decisions. And if their agent or their insurance broker or their mortgage rep or even all the, all the pieces involved, if you can't give them tangible knowledge, you're not going to be able to help them. And some of these people were looking for houses and had no idea rates went down. That's where you know you're doing your job. You have to be ready for two types of conversations. If you're going into a listing appointment or some type of consultation altogether, the majority of people are going to want really easy to understand tables and charts and graphs, keeping current matters type of stuff, mm -hmm. or something that you can pull off of your MLS that is broadly showcasing the market that's going to back up whatever's coming out of your mouth. And then for maybe 10, 15, 20% of these conversations, you're going to have to really get analytical. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be prepared to go both ways. I always brought, if I, if I got somebody in front of me who's an engineer, you know, a Pfizer type of thinker it, back when I was selling, because we had some Pfizer folks yeah, where yeah. I was, you know, selling in that market. Um, you know, I, I would always have my laptop with me because I'm like, oop, We've got Mr. Analytical here. We, we've got Mrs. Spreadsheet. I'm going to want to go deeper and spend a half hour getting them comfortable, letting, you know, knowing that I've got the knowledge mm -hmm. to actually take on the deal and put them in a good position because they need to understand how you're getting to a price range. They need to understand the strategy behind why we're going out at that number. And because they're just seeing a whole bunch of, you know, headlines and, and basic information about the market. And if they're an engineer analytical type, they're going to want to go deep on it. 
What, what I found was one of the most effective charts to use is, uh, and I, I got taught this from uh, one of my early coaches uh, on in the business about 10 years ago. You give them all the data, you show them all the sales, but then give them a line item report and show the trends and the prices that are actually transacting. And then you can identify that. Now you got to get your pen out. You got to mark it up a little bit. So for example, you see, here's all the active listings. And we see there's a grouping right now and they're priced at, let's call it 425. And there's three or four of them there. And then we don't see anything priced until 500. Now, a lot of the comparables are showing that your home's going to be priced around this 450 or so range. So there's some opportunity there. But we can see that there's nothing else that's transacting. You got these 425 sales, stuff around 450, and then there's nothing that's moving until you get above five. And we can agree you're not above five based on these sales. So you don't want to go in that 475 range because that's kind of a dead man zone. And th those are local trends that if you spend the 10 or 15 minutes to prep for the listing appointment, you're going to be able to articulate that clearly. And that's something anyone can understand. And I'm a big fan of visuals, like you said, and even just kind of marking them up and walking them through the thought process. And also be careful not to use like jargon, like to, you got to use stuff that they can understand, um, whether it's the super analytical type or think about, you know, your, your typical person. I mean, they may not know anything about real estate, despite being really educated. I found that across the board with doctors, attorneys, even financial advisors. Uh, so the, the more you can break it down into simple terms that have meaning, the better off you're going to be and the better off your clientele are going to be. All right. Before we go, Tom, we got to, we got to talk about these GDP yes, numbers yes. this week. Uh, U.S. GDP rose 2.9% in the fourth quarter. It's more than expected, even as these re uh, recession fears loom. So the expectations were 2.8% on GDP. The Fed wants us to be under 2.8 on these reads. We were above, we were at 29 but they don't want us to be in the negatives, right? Cause the fed wants to like be the hero where it's like, okay, we don't go into the negatives. We don't go into a recession, but we don't want to beat expectations because we want to show that we are slowing this economy down. Uh, what is the GDP first yeah, of all? I think this then, is important. Yes. And then how's this number, you know, impact us. So the GDP, it's the monetary value of goods and services, bought by end users. So the person who actually is, is, is purchasing the product, whatever Gross the cost of that product. is, right? Um, now it's also, <clears throat> it's the, it's the, the user, um, it has to be produced in the subject country, right? So US gross domestic product would be the stuff that the US produces and what it costs when it gets sold to the end user over a period of time. So there, this usually gets evaluated quarter by quarter. So it's basically the retail value of the items or services that are produced or given in, in, in a country over a period of time. And like when we're talking about this particular number, 2.9% in quarter four, it's a backward looking number. It's like a lot of the real mm -hmm. estate yeah. closing information that you look like it's lagging. It's old data, right? And so it's not completely indicative of where we're going to end up at the end of quarter one. You know, look at where this came out this week. It's, it's like October was four months ago, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in a totally different place than we were in October. Some of the things that are fighting this number, jobless claims continue to go down. Uh, there was a Wall Street Journal article that showed like these companies that have less than 250 employees, they keep hiring, they keep hiring. How often are you and I and even other, even with real, even with housing being in a recession, how many brokers and team leaders do we talk to where it's like, I'm putting up another job and I'm putting up another ad for another position. I'm putting up another position. Well, small businesses across the board 
are driving hiring right now. Mm -hmm. While some of these big tech companies and everything, they've been laying off. But jobless claims fell last week, while durable good orders increased sharply in December. Uh, That's mainly due to these aircraft numbers, which were off the chart. I don't know if you even, I don't know if that caught your attention at all. These these aircraft orders are like, like enormous. Um, But yeah, so 186,000 on uh, jobless claims. The expectation was that they're going to be closer to 210,000 on that number. And so th- this, these are numbers that are, that are keeping uh, GDP and some of these other things higher mm-hmm. than, you know, basic the overall economy higher than uh, experts would like, you know, so that the Fed would react with maybe a pause when they meet next week. We're going to have a whole bunch, obviously, to talk about next week. So the Fed's meeting big deal Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, we'll see where they come in with that federal interest rate. But, you know, I think this and, you know, the fact that, um, you know, the Fed is like expected to only go up 0.25. I think they're going to just hit expectation. I agree. Uh, you know, if this was up over three, they might have been like more at a 0.5 basis point, which is not what people wanted to see them do. They want to see them get closer to pausing. Uh, but considering that this is a lagging number, I think it'll be helpful when the Fed makes their decisions next week. According to the CME group, who has the market watch tool of what the Fed will do at their next meeting, there is a 98.1% chance they increase by 25 basis points. And and there was some mixed data in here. It wasn't just, hey, everything's great or everything's moving up. We saw a 26.7% plunge in residential fixed investment, likely related to our first topic, the lack of inventory that's out there right now. Um, yep. We did see an increase in spending, although uh, it was um, in December, we saw a 1.1% decrease, which is indicative for you look at the time of the year where it's holidays and, and people are, are spending more than they usually do. So the, the this was all over the board here. Um, what I look at this is, I, you know, I, I still don't trust the Fed and, you know, they're, they're like they, they don't want the economy to do well. They're, they're trying to increase unemployment. We've heard this all before. What I see here is that it, it's so mixed. I don't think they're going to change their strategy. Um, our aspiring good friend, Logan Motoshami, he's, he's basically saying the Fed needs to stop raising rates altogether. Um, it, and- he, yeah, he, he believes the Fed needs a reset and yeah. they need to stop. In the comments, should we get Logan from Housing yeah. Wire to come on to Knowledge Brokers podcast? We want Logan on the show. We do want we, Logan. Yeah, as we, as we move forward, we may bring in a third uh, person from time to time, experts in their field like Logan. So what? But what? What he also said in his um, in his update on the housing market indicators at the beginning of the week is that the Fed's probably going to do a couple more, two to three more, including this upcoming meeting, twenty five basis point increases. It, it's you know we're seeing mixed stuff here, and and I mean it's you know you look at what what's going on. I don't know that. I mean, the first quarter, uh, the first two quarters of 2022, we had negative GDP growth. So this has been kind of bouncing up and down here. Yeah. I don't know that it makes sense to do that because it's not like everything's going up in in one direction. We're seeing some segments of the economy are doing better than others. And as a result, that's probably why the Fed needs to slow their roll a little bit here. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I mean, I would I would I would lock it like that's a lead pipe lock. Right. If for all my betting friends out there like Dan O'Neill. They're going to raise it twenty five basis points next week. I don't. Th- I think that's. I would. I would. I would put money on it. I don't. I don't see any any way that doesn't happen. Would, 
would you put what's a safer bet that or the eagles on sunday your your eagles my eagles I, I wish they were my eagles that's one of my dreams is to own the philadelphia eagles i don't think they're selling anytime soon uh i like the i like the eagles a lot um uh, i like the you think fed that's more. a safe bet no i, I think the fed? fed is the better bet than the eagles uh, I, I will tell you that Eagles have like a 65% chance to win, according to the ESPN, all, the, all those geeks over there that talk about stats and everything else. But they said and Dallas so had a 51% chance to go to the Super Bowl. How'd that work out? So you're putting a greater than 65% chance, is what you're saying, on the Fed going up 25 base, basis points next week, not pausing or not going above the 25. Not only am I doing that, the CME FedWatch tool has a 98.1% chance on it. So, I mean, and wow. the, and, I mean this is – they so chart that, this every it, day. So if the Fed does something different than that, obviously if they went, if that's a 98% chance um, and they paused, it'd be like, whoa, the Fed feels real good about where we're heading with inflation. But if they went to 50 basis points in the face of expectations being closer to 98% of people thinking they're only going to go to 25 basis points for the first time, you know, since they started jacking them up then that means they are not liking what we consider to be on, you know, or near expectations, right? With, you know, consumer spending dropped in December. That that just came out this morning, right? So some of these indicators where it's like, hey, this is working, this is working, you know, let some of the lagging data c catch up. We're going to be all right. Things are working here. If they went up 50 basis points next week, that would mean they don't believe that at all, or they've got some other indicators that, that are telling them differently. And we can put this chart up here because they actually track it on like a daily, weekly basis. So even yesterday, there was a, it was actually a higher chance at 99.6%. But a month ago, because the Fed didn't meet uh, for, uh, this, this month, there was only a 59.7% chance they would go 25 basis points and a 40.3% chance they would go to 50. So obviously the, the, the data coming out leads this predictor from the CME group to lock it in around, around that 25 basis point increase. So I, I hope, I hope the fed follows suit because if they start doing something crazy and I don't trust them, I don't think a lot of people do. I, I'm more concerned about that and, and, and the meddling in the markets than anything else, because if that pushes interest rates back up based on that, that movement, that could cause some real problems for the folks that we're, we're all trying to help here. Yeah. From what I'm looking at, I mean, two months of stabilized, 30 year fixed mortgage rate. They've got a, they've definitely have a, a 25 basis point priced into that. You know, the 10 year yield agreed has that priced in. And so we should see more stabilization with the mortgage rate. We should see the worst behind us. We might be able to get into the high fives. If the fed goes down that trend, if they buck the, what the expectations are and go to 50 basis points next week, then I would expect mortgage, you know, 10 year to, to jump up um, potentially. And which would follow with the 30 year fix, which would kind of stunt some of these mortgage applications that we've seen. We saw mortgage applications the last two weeks, two weeks ago, up 28% last week, 25%, you know, so th those are heading in the right direction. There's, you know, the seasonality Logan talks about on housing wire all the time. Seasonality is the context there as well. Mortgage applications are supposed to go up right now. So if they weren't, you know, that, that would be bad. All right, Tom, this, I'm going to see you. In Philadelphia, less than forty-eight hours. Very exciting. In your, in your hometown, and I'm not. I'm actually not. You, you had really bad timing with the NFC Championship 
weekend to bring me into Philly. The poles are greased and ready for you, Byron. This is an yeah. annual thing. They, they grease the poles so people can't climb up them. You're lucky this plane ticket wasn't too inflated because of the champion. I was worried about that. I think you bought it before is, is what happens. So, I, mean, that was I would probably have had a good to send you a... Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of people from Florida coming to see this game. I think it's a, it's a local ticket. These tickets are going for thousands of dollars. This is the highest championship ticket price ever in the history of the NFL because our people are in, coming out. In any in history city? Yeah. Or just Philly? Well, I mean, no. I, I mean, we've had a lot of them. Yeah, we, we lost most of them. We've won a couple. Uh, but well, those Donovan McNabb years. Uh, yeah, well, he, he won one and then threw up in the Super Bowl. It was, it was great. Yeah. I watched it. Um, and... It, you know, it, I, I imagine it's a lot of local people that are coming up. I don't think there's a lot of Philadelphia Eagle well, fans in Florida. Now, if it was a fraud franchise like, you know, San Francisco or Dallas, I'm sure that these people are coming over all over the place. But uh, no, San Francisco's coming. Yeah, I bet you you'll see some San Francisco. There'll fans be a few. There. I don't think there's going to be as many as, uh, as as you would expect. I mean, these these tickets are hard to come by for sure. Um, I mean, I, I went to when the Phillies were in the World Series. That was it, it was thousands of dollars for a ticket. So I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's incredible to me that that's happening and. Let's hope the fans show up and show out, and we'll be on our way to Arizona for well, the Well, since I'm coming to support your event, what's your event called? It's called the Best Agent Hacks, featuring Jeff Mays, our Tom Ferry coach. And not only do we have Jeff, I think the undercard here could be as good as Jeff Mays, which is four team leaders in collection have done a billion dollars of production in 2022. We've got Byron Lazine, we've got Lisa Chinati, Dan O'Neill, and Andrew Undum from Baltimore, Long Island, Boston's where Lisa's from, and obviously Byron's from the one team in the Connecticut Shoreline. Very exciting. Right. Well, since I'm coming up to support, uh, you need to now bump your week-to-week contract with BAM to a month-to-month contract. I'm ready to we sign, man. Us- I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do we it. bought ourselves another month. so I'm like right, a I'll renter now that's play- not buying. It's like one of these millennials. Month-to-month. If you're enjoying this, and if you want to come join us in Philly, just join it. I think there's... Or is there, are you at capacity? We are not at capacity. So okay, shoot good. me a DM on Instagram. That's probably the best way. It's at Tom Tool Third. It's at Tom Tool Three RD, and I can get you in to this free event. And you're going to be able to set more appointments, sell more houses, and learn what the top people across the Eastern Seaboard are doing. All right. So hit up Tom. If you want to see us in Philly? We'll be there Monday morning. Uh, I'll be doing the hot sheet actually live from there. So you got to find me a space. If you're enjoying the Knowledge Brokers podcast. Share this with somebody. We're going to go even deeper maybe next week. I don't know, Tom, if, if Tom's DMs are working, we might get Logan Motoshami from Housing Wire next week. I'm going to send him this episode, after. and we'll see what he thinks. And if he doesn't think we're a bunch of idiots, which I'm, I'm clear he won't, it could go a long way. And we could help him with well, his he, social media following because we both have more followers than him, which is mind-blowing to me. He'll probably think we are a couple of idiots, but he may he may come on uh, anyway. He's, he's a uh, Niners fan. That might not help. Uh, well, maybe I'll, I'll – Oh. Like, legitimately, he's posting about the Niners. That's right. There, so he is a Niners fan. I'll DM him before the game, not after, when we're wearing dog masks in Philadelphia taking ATVs up the Art Museum steps when we go to the Super Bowl. That's right. All right, brother. I'll see you in 48 hours. Let's go get some more knowledge.